Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. John chapter 10, uh, beginning verse 1 through 5, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. I've actually used this passage of Scripture a time or two with uh, young pastors when they talk about you know people coming in and stealing their sheep. And I look at them, I say, well, first of all, they all belong to God. That's number one. I said, and number two, the Bible said that the sheep know the shepherd's voice and another they will not follow. So if they're easily led astray, then they weren't your sheep to begin with. So um, I think it's important for us to realize that we're all part of the ministry of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the privilege and the joy of being able to minister your word. Thank you for receptive hearts. Thank you for open ears. I pray, Father, that our understanding would be open, that we would be able to receive what you have for us today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I want to talk to you today about when God speaks your name and I want to share with you in the very beginning of this message two separate occasions in my life when I've had the unique opportunity of experiencing something that many people have never experienced before. And that is that on two separate occasions I have had the privilege of hearing the audible voice of God. And the first time this happened, I was 11 years old when the Lord called me to ministry. Now, I'd, been, I'd preached my first message two or three years before that and had no plans of being in the ministry at all. Even at eight years old, I'd said, I'll never do that. My dad was a pioneer pastor, and uh, that's what they used to call church planners back then, pioneer pastors. And uh, I said, nope, I won't be doing that. But the Lord called me at the age of 11 years old. And when he called me, B.P. Carroll was preaching a revival in the Bible Holiness Assemblies of God Church in Neosho, Missouri. And uh, the service was over and there was a Bible college there. My dad had went to Bible college there and there was several people that had left. In fact, almost everyone had left. And my little brother was standing up in front of the pulpit. It was a much larger sanctuary than this. It would hold six or seven hundred. My little brother was standing up there. He's about seven years old. Asking the Lord to fill him with the Holy Spirit. So I came up along this side over here and just came across. I was about 11. And when I got between the altar and the pulpit on my way to him, the power of the Lord overcame me and I fell to the earth, to the ground, on the floor. Some people call that being slain in the spirit. I can just say it hasn't happened to me very much in my life. It's happened a few times, but not very much. And there is scriptural precedent for it. When God called uh, the apostle Paul, the Bible said that he fell to the ground. And so there are places in the scripture where uh, we see that happening. So I tried to get up and I had no strength in me. And, I, and then I began to realize that there was this overwhelming presence of God. And I heard God speak to me out of his word. He said, Jonathan, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. That's why we do media ministry because it's part of my call. And it's the best way to do it. So he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 
He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And then he goes on and quotes the scriptures. These signs shall follow them that believe. And he quotes that scripture. So I'm laying there and I'm telling the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, I can't do this because I don't speak very well. I stutter a lot. And I did. I had a problem with stuttering. And sometimes I still deal with it, not anything like I used to. But every now and then, and you guys are gracious with me, I might say something a little bit backwards or something like that. But that's, a, that's one of the, you know, crosses that I've, I guess, had to bear through the years. And so a couple weeks later, I finally told the Lord yes. And so that was the first time that I had heard the audible voice of God. The second time I heard the audible voice of God, fast forward to the year 2001. We were going through a very difficult time in our life, in ministry. We had pastored two churches and... And, uh, you know, people can be mean, people can be brutal, people that call themselves Christians are some of the meanest people that I've ever met in the world at times, and they're also some of the most loving people that I've ever met. just depends on whether they're saved or not. Come on, church. It's the truth. And so, and so uh, we're uh, having this difficult time. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning, and... Um, I'm walking along. We lived in more. I lived in Moorhead, Kentucky, the eastern part of Kentucky. I walk, was walking along what they call the North Fork of the Licken River in Moorhead, Kentucky, just off of Cranston Road, and it was raining, and I fell in the mud. And I was. I just decided I'm not even getting up, and I just laid there and I started talking to the Lord and I started giving the Lord all. Uh, I just unloaded on Him, and all of a sudden, through all of it through the rain, through the mud, through the despondency, through the despair, I heard God speak my name. He said, Jonathan. Now somebody said, what did his voice sound like? The best way I can explain is it just sounds like just rushing water. That's the only, and it's not because I was, because the, the, it was more like a creek. It wasn't even a river. But that's, what it, but that's what it sounded like to me. But it was like, Jonathan, like that. And so... Uh, it caught my attention because there was this overwhelming presence of God the minute he spoke my name. And I said, yes, Lord. And he said, you can't change the past, but if you let it go, I'll give you a future. And when God spoke that to me, I laid on the side of that riverbed, that creek bank. I laid there and I gave God every hurt, Every pain, every trouble, every trial. Now listen, this is key. I also gave him every success because I had preached camp meetings, I had preached conventions, I had done television work, I'd been very successful in the ministry, foreign crusades, I'd been very successful at that point, up to that point. And I gave God all the successes too. And I told the Lord, I said, from this day forward, my life is a clean slate. Whatever you can do with it, I'm tired of trying to figure it out. I just give it to you. Today, I am living the God-designed life because He called my name. This message today has personal meaning to me because I know what can happen to you when He calls your name. When Jesus calls your name, your entire life will change. God cannot speak into your life and you leave the same. So many times we get caught up seeking the hand of God. So many times we get caught up seeking the provision of God. So many times we get frustrated with God. Maybe because we didn't get 
the promotion that we thought that we should get. Or maybe somebody got promoted over us. Or maybe we didn't get the house. You know, Lord, we were trying so hard and we were praying that you'd help us get this house. And at the last minute, the financing falls through and we don't get the house. Sometimes we get upset with God because the things that we ask Him may be a spouse. Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, for the right spouse. I'm asking you to work things out. And God, where are they at? Where's she at? Where's he at? And sometimes we get frustrated with God and we try to help God out. But here's what I've learned. Quit seeking what He can do for you and celebrate what He's already done for you. Celebrate what He's already done for you in Calvary and get addicted not to His provision but to His presence. Because in His presence, the Bible said, there is fullness of joy. And at His right hand, that speaks of His power, there are pleasures forevermore. Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 33 says to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So rather than trying to get things from God then what we need to do is we just need to give ourselves to Him and come into a full, active, daily, moment-by-moment relationship with the Lord. And when we do that, we will discover a love from Him that we never knew existed. It'll transform your life. It'll change your life. The love that you will experience will be unexplainable with human words. His love is powerful. Now, we go to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Let's go there. John, just just 10 uh, 10 chapters over in your Bible to the right. John chapter 20. The Bible said in verse number 11 that Mary stood without the sepulcher weeping and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, speaking of the tomb where Jesus had been buried. And she saw two angels in white sitting there at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lane so he had risen and they say unto her woman why do you weep and she said unto her because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him and when she had thus said she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing but she didn't know that it was him here's my question to us this morning how many times has he been in the room and we didn't even recognize him Jesus addressed this when He looked over Jerusalem one day and the Bible said that He looked out over Jerusalem and He prayed and He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you as a hen would gather her chickens under her wings, but you would not. He said, you have missed the day of your visitation. One of the things that concerns me the most is that we will miss the visitation of God for this generation. Did you know there are churches that do that in every generation? Well, how do they do that? They get caught up in the used to's. They get caught up in the how God used to move and the songs that we used to sing and the way the preachers used to preach and the way people used to dress and and this is how it was when I was growing up and if we don't watch it, we'll be so addicted to the used to's that He'll show up in the room and we we won't even recognize His presence. He showed up. The Son of of God. At that time, the only begotten Son of God, the Lamb that would be slain from the foundation of the world. How much more could He have proven His deity 
My goodness, he walked among them and performed mighty miracles. He declared to them things out of the scriptures to where the Bible says that the eyes of those that were in the temple were fastened upon him. There was so much power and so much anointing in his teaching and so much power and so much anointing in his preaching that that their eyes would just be fastened. Jesus would speak. And when he got through speaking, there would be silent amazement. Because they would be like, whoa. And then he would say stuff like, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Read it in Luke chapter 4. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, the recovery of sight to the blinds, to set at liberty them that are, bru- that are bruised. And, and he would go on and, and preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then the Bible said that when he sat down, the eyes were fastened on him. And he looked at them and said, This day the scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. He would even declare his deity. He would declare his deity. He would preach with power and demonstration. He would heal the sick, raise the dead, and cleanse the leper. People's lives would be changed. He would multiply loaves and fishes to feed 5,000 plus men and women and children. And still they did not recognize who he was. You know why? Because they were more addicted to provision than presence. And it's the same mistake that churches make today. Let me tell you something. We're not serving a God who is dead. We're not serving a God whose body was stolen by His disciples. We're not serving a God who who died and was put in the grave and like some people say, wild animals came in. No, 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 no. We're serving a God who who died and three days later came forth in resurrection and in power. And when He shows up, if we make room for Him, miracles can happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we go on here and the Bible said that Mary didn't recognize him, that she thought that he was just the gardener. Jesus said, woman, why do you weep? Verse 15, uh, John chapter 10, verse 15, why do you weep? Who do you seek? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if you have borne him anywhere, if you've taken him anywhere, please tell me where you've taken him and I'll go take him. I'll take care of him. I'll take him away. Jesus looked at her and said one word. Read it. He said, Mary. He said her name. He said her name. And when he said her name, the Bible says here, let me read it to you, she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master or Teacher. Listen. When He speaks your name, if we have ears to hear and an understanding heart, when He speaks your name, it can turn your life around. It can change things for you forever. When He speaks your name, there's something that happens that opens up the revelation of who He is and there is a love that will fill your heart and that will fill your life, that will keep you when the tough times hit. Listen, I don't serve God because I'm afraid of going to hell. I don't serve God because I know that if I do that the Bible says that I can receive all of these things. I don't serve God because of those things. There's one reason that I serve God. And I've said it many times and I'll say it again just like I've always said it. If there was no heaven and if there was no hell. 
If he never did another miracle for me, I would serve, serve him just purely for the relationship. That's the kind of relationship that you can have with God today. Listen, he's not dead, he's alive. And you can have a relationship with the risen Lord. You can have a relationship with the risen Savior. The kind of relationship where he'll draw you close. He can speak your name. You can see him, you can sense him, you can feel him in a way that you've never seen him, that you've never sensed him, that you've never felt him before. You can experience God like you've never experienced him before when He speaks your name. Well, God doesn't know who I am. Oh, sure He does. John chapter 10, the Bible said that He knows His sheep by their name. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. Some people say, well, if He knows what I'm going through, how come He doesn't do anything about it? Because He's a covenant God. There are things that we have to do in order to come into covenant with Him. Say, for instance, giving our life to Christ. The Bible says that we have to come to Him. And when we come to Him, He said, Come unto me, all ye who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How do we get rest? We go to Him. We go to Him. How do we give our life to Christ? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, we can be saved. So it takes actions of faith on our part in order to have the relationship that we crave with our Creator God. So that action is we confess Him as our Lord and as our Savior. When we confess Him as our Lord and our Savior, the relationship that we have with Him becomes from a knowing about God to a knowing God relationship. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit would come into people. In the Old Testament, the Bible says that there there was a lamb that would have to be slain every single year to cover the sins of the people to hide the sins of the people. When Jesus came, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, he entered one time, the Bible says, into the holy place to obtain eternal redemption for us. And that one time is significant in Scripture. The Bible says it was one time, and the reason is because once the sinless, spotless blood of the lamb of Jesus Christ was offered upon the altar to make an atonement for the souls of all humanity, it was not necessary from that point again to ever do it again. Why? Because in the Old Testament the blood covered, in the New Testament His blood cleanses. Totally different. Totally different. How do I come into relationship with Him? We confess Him as our Lord and our Savior. Now we go on here to um, Luke chapter 24. We're not going to read all the way through like we did in the first service, but I want to share with you uh, a couple of things here in Luke chapter 24. Now, I think it is important for me to note, for us to note today, that when Jesus resurrected from the dead, The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 3 that He walked among us for 40 days. The resurrected Lord proved Himself with many infallible proofs, the Bible said, to over 500 brethren. 
This is a few examples of it here in Luke uh, chapter 24, beginning in about verse number 13. The Bible said two of those brethren uh, uh, was going to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were walking along the road talking about things that had happened in Israel. And the Bible says in verse 15 that while they communed with one another, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So Jesus just kind of joined himself with these two people that were talking. And the Bible said in verse number 16, but their eyes were holding. In other words, their eyes were shut that they could not see that it was actually Jesus. And so you've got Jesus here. And I love this because you see the personality of Jesus. See, God's not boring and neither is Jesus. I mean, they kind of like to have fun. Let's look at this, okay? He says unto them, what are you guys talking about? He said, uh, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk? And it looks like you're sad. And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Are you a stranger in Jerusalem? You've not known the things that have come to pass there in these days? Now here's Jesus. It's like, yes, I've known. I'm the one that it happened to. But Jesus looks at him and says, what things? Look at his personality. He's like, what things? He says, you guys are sad. I thought I would walk with you guys for a while. You're talking. You're contemplating things. You're communing with one another. You're talking about things that's happened, and it looks like you're sad. What's going on? And so they're talking, and they said, well, you don't even know what's going on. You must be a stranger. And he said, what things? Inside, he's like, huh, hello. They said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people. And Jesus is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. And how the chief priest and other rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. And we trusted that it had been he which would have redeemed Israel. And beside all of this today is the third day since these things were done. So on the day that Jesus resurrected from the dead, he joined himself to a couple of people walking between Emmaus and Jerusalem and tried to bring them comfort. The Bible said, certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher this morning. And when they came, they didn't find his body there. And they said that they had seen a vision of angels. And those angels told us that he was alive. Verse 24, certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. So they were talking about Peter and John. The Bible said that John ran to the sepulcher and he stooped down and looked in. But Peter, you know, opened the mouth, insert the foot up to the knee, Peter. Peter ran right into the sepulcher, right into the sepulcher. And so the Bible says, or into the tomb. And so the Bible says that they went there. They were saying they went there, but they didn't see Jesus. So in verse 25, Jesus becomes the rabbi again. He says, oh fool, slow of heart to believe. In other words, that means those, it sounds like I need to teach you, you kind of unlearn that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ who has suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And the Bible said in verse 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophecy, expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And the whole time he knew who he was, but they didn't. So he's teaching them things about himself. So they draw nigh to the village where they were going and he's acting like he's going to go on and they uh, compelled him to stay there to abide and toward evening because it was getting late in the day. And so he went in and the Bible says as he sat at meat with them, he took the bread, blessed it and break and gave to them, verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. Now, 
That's powerful. Their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished. But verse 32 is the verse I was trying to get to. Here we go. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? I can tell you from personal experience that when he speaks to you, there's a burn inside. And it's not a bad burn. It's a good burn. It's like the fire of God. It just comes inside of you and it's, it's like he just lights up your world and he lights up your life. And this is what was happening here to these people. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us by the way? So reading this few days ago while I was in Jamaica actually preparing the message for today I became overwhelmed with a desire for you to feel the burn in fact I almost titled the message can you feel the burn because I want you to feel the burn I want him to speak your name I want you to fall so insatiably in love with Jesus that there's no way that you can explain him to anyone. You say, well, that sounds a little bit odd. That sounds a little bit strange. What's strange about that? He created you. He made you in his image after his likeness for the purpose of being a worshiper. That's why you were made. That's why God created us. That's why he made us. That's the whole purpose of humanity that there would be someone that God could fellowship with on a daily basis. And when we come into step with our purpose and the reason that we were created and even born, the reason when we do that, then He begins to communicate with us and this insatiable hunger and desire for God comes over us. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. My prayer today is that we can feel the burn. I'm going to pray over you here in just a few moments. And as I do, I'm going to ask the Lord to put a burn inside of you. I'm going to ask Him to put a passion inside of you, a hunger inside of you for Him that you can't explain. Parents, you're concerned about whether your kids are going to serve God or not? Just help them fall in love with Jesus. Listen, I love my kids and they're all grown up and they've been knocked around some in the ministry. They've been very disappointed and very hurt at times over people and different things like that. But I can tell you right now, it doesn't matter what they're going through. And some of them are going through some stuff even right now. But I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter what they're going through. They still love God. And they're still going to serve the Lord. Even when people no longer become their fans, they're still going to love God. And they're still going to serve the Lord. you know why? Because they've been there and they've learned to quit trying to please people and to rush to His presence to rush to His presence. And that's, a great, that's a great principle that we can learn today is to rush to Him. To rush to Him. Let's all stand right now. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4 and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. 
Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.